Well, here we are. Last week we finished off the Red Letter Challenge, and if you weren't able to join us last week, I would encourage you to go and watch the video of last week's service. Uh, those testimonies were just so cool. Uh, it was just so awesome to hear young and old as people engaged with the Red Letter Challenge, as people engaged with the content, uh, as people followed through on the challenges. I was just so encouraged to hear and to see and to listen to kind of what people had gotten up to. And I, I know it blessed me and I know it will bless you. So if you missed that, make sure you go and check that out. Uh, of course, with Red Letter Challenge over, uh, the question is, well, where to next? What's kind of coming over the next couple of weeks? Uh, it's hard to imagine or difficult to believe, but we are knocking on the door of Advent. Uh, the last Sunday of November marks the start of the Advent season. Uh, and I'm excited to be able to share with you that from Advent, so that last week of November, we're going to be changing things up a little bit in the way that we kind of produce our Sunday sermons and our Sunday videos. And on that Sunday, we are beginning with live streamed live services. Uh, now, I know kind of there might be some questions about that. We'll answer those over the next few weeks. We have been gathering together in small services at our church building. Uh, but I know that for many people who kind of join us on Sundays or join us any time of the week, uh, there's still that sense of we miss community. We miss the idea of at least being together even though we're apart. And so one of the ways we think we can achieve that is by having a live streamed service at 10 a.m. on Sundays. Of course, it'll still be recorded. It'll still be available outside of that time. So if you've kind of gotten into that habit or maybe it suits your lifestyle, maybe it suits your work hours and the way you operate in life, you'll still be able to enjoy the Sunday service any other time, uh, and not even only on Sundays, but any time during the week. Uh, but again, keep an eye on the, the weekly email, and keep an eye on our website for Advent coming up at the end of November. Uh, but what about in between? We've got a couple of weeks going between the Red Letter Challenge and between Advent. So where do we go? What do we do? Well, we as a pastoral team, we're kind of just thinking through this, chatting through this. Uh, and a couple of weeks ago, I, I sort of included the idea, well, what about the Proverbs? Uh, you know, I, I love the book of Proverbs. Uh, if you don't really spend a lot of time in there, if you don't know about it, well, you're about to find out a whole bunch more. Uh, but one of the reasons I love the Proverbs is it gives us a handle on how to make sense of life. In fact, if you think about it, uh, they may not be biblical proverbs, but you probably already mention all sorts of proverbs in your everyday life. In fact, you might want to think about, well, what are those expressions that I go to routinely or over and over? What are those little sayings that I kind of blurt out in the middle of whatever's going on? You know, it could be a short little saying like, uh, c'est la vie, you know, that's life. When something happens and maybe I wasn't thrilled about what happened, but, you know, to help me make sense of it, I kind of just step back and I go, well, that's life. Uh, you know, I have a friend who uh, every now and then will say, even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while. Uh, and typically he's talking about when good fortune or good luck happens to someone that typically doesn't get that fortune. 
Uh, and so it just kind of helps him make sense of, well, I'm not thrilled that happened, but okay, even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while. Other people might kind of have an experience or have a situation happen that didn't turn out in the way they had hoped, uh, hadn't gone according to plan, and they'll say something like, well, it is what it is. You know, and we kind of have that resignation of it is what it is. I can't change anything. I can't do anything about it. So we may as well just respond and live in this moment. Uh, you know, I have friends who often will say, well, let's figure it out. You know, in South Africa, there's a similar phrase where it's kind of translated as let's make a plan. Uh, you know, let's figure it out. I, I don't know what's going on. Let's figure it out. Let's make a plan. And, you know, I every now and then find myself telling my children, don't count your chickens before the eggs hatch, or don't count your chickens before they hatch. It's that simple little statement to remind people that, you know what, don't count on something until it happens. Don't kind of expect that it's going to happen in that way. Let's wait and see what happens, and then let's deal with it. So we use these short sayings to make sense of life, to help us face what we're going through. Or maybe we use those expressions to teach others, and to try and point out a life lesson we've learned since we teach others. But what about biblically? Are there biblical phrases that might help us make sense of life? Well, of course, yes, there are. And they're called the Proverbs. You know, there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, and many of our months have 31 days. Uh, what I love about the Proverbs is I will do this in my own daily devotions, my own readings, is every now and then I'll just kind of, what's today's date? Oh, it's so-and-so? Well, then I'll read that corresponding proverb for the day. And it's amazing to be able to find this wisdom, to find this encouragement of how to make sense of life. So for the next four weeks, we're going to skim through the Proverbs. We're not going expositionally through every single one. We're not going to dive into every single chapter. But I would encourage you, as we go through the next four weeks, pull out your Bible, whether it's on your phone or a paper-based Bible, and go through the Proverbs. You'll find some depth and richness and real wisdom in the middle of them. You know, as we kind of introduce them today and as we touch on a, a kind of a, the introduction of them, there are a few crucial questions we need to ask as we approach really any book of the Bible. If we're about to read through a book, if we're about to study a book in the Bible, there are a couple of crucial questions we need to ask. The first question we need to ask is, what is the major theme of the book? And we do that with Proverbs as well. What is the major theme of of the book of Proverbs. Now this is answered in one simple word. That word is wisdom. You know, the word wise and wisdom is used at least 125 times throughout the 31 chapters. And the reason is simple. This book wants to help us both acquire God's wisdom and then apply that wisdom to our daily lives. Its aim is to have our daily decisions and activities shaped by the wisdom of God. There's a big difference between wisdom and knowledge. And knowledge knows stuff. Knowledge knows facts. Wisdom knows how to apply that knowledge. You can think of it like this. 
knowledge understands that tomato is a fruit, wisdom knows not to put it into fruit salad. And that's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge knows facts. Wisdom knows how to apply it to life. You know, the book of Proverbs, along with Job and Ecclesiastes, uh, is what scholars call wisdom literature in the Bible. And the writers of these books wrestled with some of the most difficult questions of life. And they, they sought to understand the problems of life from God's point of view. Now, we know that in the, in the ancient Near East, wisdom was a valuable commodity. Uh, rulers had their council of wise men who would uh, help them. They would consult them before they made decisions. When we read through scripture, we see that Joseph was considered to be wise in Egypt. Daniel and his friends were honored for their wisdom, even as they served in Babylon. And the Apostle Paul writes for us in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15, Walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. You know, understanding the book of Proverbs can help us do just that. It helps us to walk wisely through life. You know, and as, as we'll see in a few moments' time when we address the key verse of the Proverbs, biblical wisdom begins with the right relationship with God. The wise person is that person who understands and who believes there is a God and that God is the creator and ruler of all things. And that he has put within his creation a divine order. An order that, if obeyed, leads to blessing and success. Wise people assert that there is a moral law operating in this world around us. And wisdom keeps us in harmony with the principles and purposes that the Lord has built into his world. Wisdom, of course, rightly understands that we will face trials. We will face experience, sorry, we will experience difficulties in life. But even in the midst of those negative experiences, it is still right and beneficial and indeed wise to obey God. You know, the pages of history are filled with people who were incredibly smart, who were incredibly intelligent, who became wealthy, who became famous, who became influential, but who were not wise enough to be satisfied and fulfilled. It could be said there are countless people who were smart enough to make a living, but not wise enough to make a life. And they could not make a life because they did not apply the wisdom of God into their daily lives. My prayer is that as we journey through the book of Proverbs, albeit really quickly in four weeks, as we journey through the book of Proverbs over these next few weeks, my prayer is that it will instill within each one of us a hunger and a desire to get wisdom. Regardless of age or life stage, we're never too old. There's never a time to not learn and to find wisdom. So what is the theme of the book? It's wisdom. The second question we ask when we approach a book is, well, who wrote the book and how was it written? You know, in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1, chapter 10, verse 1, and chapter 25, verse 1, we're told that King Solomon is the author of the book of Proverbs. God gave Solomon this great wisdom. 
We read in 1 Kings chapter 3 of this wisdom, and Solomon was so wise that people came from all around just to listen to the wisdom, and they were marveled at it, and they were mesmerized by it. You know, there's this classic example in 1 Kings chapter 3 where two prostitutes uh, both have a child, and overnight one of the mothers is asleep on her child and smothers this baby, and, and the baby dies over the night, and so... In the morning, this mother wakes up to discover what she's done, and so she takes her dead child and replaces it with the living child from this other prostitute. And, and of course, there's this tension when the other mother wakes up and realizes, wait a minute, this isn't my child. And so the two of them are arguing and kind of accusing one another, of course, and this gets brought before Solomon, and he listens to them complaining and arguing and accusing and kind of saying, no, that's my child, no, this is my child, all of this, and so Solomon kind of pauses for a moment, and, and then Solomon says, right, well, bring me a sword, and we'll cut the baby in half, and each mother can have a half. And of course, the, the real mother pauses and, and says, no, rather let the other one have. And the one who is not the mother says, yes, sure, let's cut it in half. And Solomon goes, well, take the baby away from the one that's got it, and give it to the other one, because that's the real mother. No mother would ever let their child be murdered in that state or, or, or executed like that just to please somebody else. No, she would see that life is better even if it's with someone else. And so Solomon knows this and he knows who the real mother is. And, and people marvel at Solomon's wisdom in so many different ways. So we know Solomon, this wise king, wrote but of course, there are a few proverbs and portions written by a few others as we read through. Interestingly enough, you know, Solomon began his reign with wisdom, but ended his life in folly. And we read about that in 1 Kings 11 and in Deuteronomy 17. You know, Solomon married hundreds of women to form these alliances with other nations, only to have them and the worship of their gods pull his heart away from the one true God. How tragic that Solomon didn't follow his own wisdom. It's a tragic example of do as I say, not as I do. But how is it written? Well, let me illustrate it like this. I could preach for 30 minutes on the futility of comparing your life to someone else because you're comparing what you know of yourself with what you don't know of them. And in those instances when you compare, it always looks better with them and, and you always look worse off and, and you always want what they have because it just looks so much more appealing. And I could preach for 30 minutes on that. Or I could simply say, the grass always looks greener on the other side. That one short little statement has just preached a message. And this is the approach of Solomon throughout the book of Proverbs. It's a collection of short truisms that give us handles to make sense of life. Every culture, every nation has its fair share of Proverbs on which to hang this proverbial wisdom. You know, I read one from Ireland which says, every invalid is a physician. And I love that. You know, every person who has this experience of health and bad health, any invalid in that place is a physician, all with their advice. 
There's a Serbian proverb that says, if vinegar is free, it is sweeter than honey. There's one from Crete that said, if you want to drink milk, you don't buy the whole cow. And of course, there's one from ancient Rome, which was spoken of about timid soldiers and timid politicians. And people would say the cat would eat fish, but she doesn't want to get her feet wet. And of course, that little truism right there says a whole lot. It it speaks great deals into us. In fact, it was Cervantes who defined a proverb as a short sentence based on a long experience. A short sentence based on a long experience. The word proverb, uh, if you go back to its roots, it's pro and verba. Pro meaning on behalf of and verba words. So on behalf of words or in place of many words, we give a short saying, a proverb. Now, of course, the book of Proverbs is part of the canon of Scripture. And therefore, we believe they are inspired by God, even as they address the very mundane parts of our daily lives here on earth. So they're not merely these pithy truisms that one might find in a fortune cookie. No, they're the counsel of God to help us find wisdom as we go through life. Therefore, we would be wise to listen and to hear them as we study them. And the beauty of the Proverbs is they're brief and they're, they're pictorial. They're, they're easy to memorize, they're easy to recall, and they're easy to share. Now, one thing to note about how the Proverbs of, is ordered is that they're not ordered in nice, neat, separate categories. They're not systematic. They're more like a kaleidoscope which mirrors our lives. They don't follow a neat, orderly process. They're haphazard and all over the show. And the Proverbs mirror this. A third question we ask when we approach the Proverbs is, well, what's the key verse that unlocks the message of the book? What's that key verse in this book that we might kind of focus on as the theme? I believe for Proverbs, it is chapter 1 and verse 7. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now this is amplified again in chapter 9 verse 10, which says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, there are are at least 18 references through the book of Proverbs to the fear of the Lord. And of course, when we read each one, it gives us a good idea of what that important biblical phrase really means. So what does that phrase mean? You know, to truly fear the Lord is to acknowledge from our hearts that he is the creator and we are the creatures. He is the parent and we are the children. He is the master and we are the servants. When we fear the Lord, it means we respect God for who he is and to listen carefully to what he says, to obey his word, knowing that disobedience displeases him and it breaks down fellowship with him. Fear of the Lord isn't cowering in a corner, 
Afraid that God's about to smite us for our wickedness and and God's about to put us to death. No, that's not the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is worshipful reverence that rightly acknowledges who we are in relation to God. God is eternally holy. We are finite and sinful. And so fear comes into that place of reverence and worship. You know, the opening six verses explain why the Proverbs are written and collected. Proverbs chapter 1, reading from verse 1, says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, For giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now the proverbs are written to give us wisdom, to give us instruction, to give us understanding, prudence, knowledge, direction, learning, and counsel. And it all hangs on wisdom. In fact, you'll find those eight words I just used repeatedly all throughout the book of Proverbs. And when you put them together, you have a summary of what Solomon means by wisdom. Louise Goldberg said, wisdom means exhibiting God's character in the many practical affairs of life. Proverbs is all about wisdom. When we approach a book, the fourth question we need to ask ourselves is, okay, what does this book say about Jesus Christ? It's fine to have the theme. It's fine to have that key verse that unlocks it. It's fine to know about who wrote it and why and how they wrote it. But what does this book say about Jesus Christ? Now, of course, Proverbs doesn't expressly mention Christ. But we can see evidence and the influence of Christ all through the book. Proverbs 8 personifies and describes wisdom. The thrust of that passage is not Christ, but we're given a glimpse of an archetype. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 24 and in verse 30, Paul says, Jesus is our wisdom. And Paul says in Colossians chapter 2 verse 3, in Jesus Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So even though scripture suggests Solomon was the wisest person who ever lived, Matthew 12 verse 42 reminds us that Jesus was greater than Solomon in every way, including wisdom. Jesus is the eternal word of God through whom all creation was made. And as the eternal word of God, Jesus is the wisdom of God. So what does the Proverbs say about Christ? Well, the Proverbs directs us into wisdom. The Proverbs directs us to gain wisdom, to find wisdom, to do everything in our power to achieve, to attain, to reach towards wisdom. 
And if the rest of Scripture reminds us that Jesus Christ is our wisdom, then the Proverbs would say, point to Christ. Find Christ. Enter into relationship with Christ. Seek to trust Christ as our ultimate source of wisdom. And then, the fifth and final question, what must I do to get the most out of this book? What must I do to get the most out of the book of Proverbs? Solomon often uses the phrase, my son or my sons. Modern translations will talk about my child or my children. And the image is of a loving parent passing godly truths and passing wisdom on to their child or to their children. It's that image of a parent who cares deeply for their children. And it's a parent who wants to see their children thrive. They want to see their children make a life, not simply make a living. Yeah, was quite blown away last week to be just kind of paging through some of the news. And I forget which one it was, but one of the European countries is busy talking about or proposing an idea of moving towards a four-day work week and reducing hours, uh, work hours, I should say. And their reason for doing that is, well, coming out of COVID lockdowns and finding people working from home and spending more time with family, it's, it's almost like there's this shakeup and there's this cultural realization that, hold on, family is important. We need to enjoy life and we need to enjoy our families and we need to enjoy our communities. We shouldn't be slaving away as much as what we were previously. And so we, we want to change Now, of course, this isn't a political point. This is just an illustration. And Solomon will point out the importance of hard work and of commitment, but not for income's sake. Through Solomon, God wants his children to enjoy and experience living. So what do I do to get the most out of the book? Well, I receive it as a child, trusting that God is my loving Father. And of course, that implies a dynamic relationship with Him. It implies faith in Christ as my Lord and Savior. This is echoed in John 7, verse 17. When we approach God's Word as His children, there must be a willingness to receive it, there must be a willingness to obey it. And just as we challenged ourselves during the red letter challenge, we don't just hear the word. We don't just read a a book like the Proverbs and we don't just listen to it. No, we put them into practice because we understand the life that they bring and the life that they give to us. In order to get the most out of the book of Proverbs, along with faith and obedience, well, there's the reminder that the Proverbs are truisms. The Proverbs are truisms. They are not truth in and of themselves. Now, of course, what do I mean by that? What does that mean? Well, when we read through the Proverbs, we will discover that they are principles for life that are generally true. But they're not going to be true in every single instance. If we adhere to them, if we apply them in our lives... We will place ourselves in the place where there is potential 
for blessing and experiences of joy. But of course, we all know there are times in life we will go through challenges where we will experience hardship, we will experience difficulties and disappointments. So when we read Proverbs 17, verse 7, that a friend loves at all times, well, the instruction to us is to be the friend that loves at all times. Even though you and I will experience times when a friend doesn't love us. So the Proverbs are not true in every single situation, but they are truisms. Proverbs 11, verse 8 says, The righteous person is rescued from trouble, and it comes on the wicked instead. But again, that's not always true in every instance of life. Even the scriptures The psalmist asks, why does it seem like the wicked prosper? So how do I get the most out of this book? How do I approach them? Well, I have to begin with faith in Jesus. I have to trust God as my good father. I have to listen to and practice his words, and then I need to leave the end results to God. So, How do we close this off? Well, you and I can keep on simply trying to make a living. And I know that some of you who are watching this today, you're in the retirement phase of life. You're in the later portion of life. And and you might kind of say, no, no, that's a futile errand. Don't, Don't simply try and make a living. Make a life. And after all, God invites us into an abundant life through Jesus Christ. A life that could never be matched by earthly pursuits. And so for the next four weeks, as we journey and as you spend time in the Proverbs, may you discover knowledge that you are able to apply to your daily life. And as you apply that knowledge, may you gain and grow in wisdom. Wisdom that comes from our loving Heavenly Father. I pray the Lord bless you as we journey together through the book of Proverbs. Let's pray together. Our Father, I thank you that you are the author of wisdom, for you are wisdom. And God, I thank you that you invite us to get wisdom, to find it, to pursue it, to hunger after it. And God, I pray that for each one of us, you would help us to find wisdom. That we would take knowledge and apply it into our lives. So that ultimately we would be in a place where just as loved children, we would experience blessing from a loving Heavenly Father. God, you invite us into an abundant life. A life beyond comprehension, a life that we could never even dream of or imagine. And Lord, I know there will be times when we will go through the valley of the shadow of death. We will go through difficult experiences. We will go through times where we have questions and doubts and struggles. But even there, God, you call us to trust you. And even in those places, you've written the Proverbs for us that we might find instruction and guidance, and counsel, and prudence, and knowledge, and ultimately wisdom, because it's wisdom that comes from you. And as we seek to live in that light, 
and to find your wisdom. God, I pray you would be glorified and your kingdom would come. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.